I have an announcement. Um, uh, I, I hope you appreciate it. But after a con- convening with our leadership uh, uh, yesterday and talking about the rest of the summer, we're going to follow a, a tradition that many New England churches do. Many New England churches that have multiple services uh, go to one service for the summer months. So we made a decision yesterday that we would uh, have, for July and August, we, we would not have the 1115 service. We'd have the 915 service. So um, I, I hope that you don't have life circumstances that you can only come to the late service other than that you like to sleep in <laughs> on Sunday morning. And uh, a lot of people really love the early service because they, especially in the summertime, you're going to go to the beach or other outings that you want to go to. Uh, we just feel like... Uh, It would be a good thing, especially for our staff, who this last year has been a great year, but it has been a difficult year for the staff has worked really hard to produce online services and all the other adjustments that we've had to make and just the emotional stress of of coronavirus and what that's meant. And we're so glad to be coming out. So we want to give them a bit of a break. And uh, so come to the 915 service. I hope you will do that. And uh, we will uh, worship together at 9.15 for starting July the 4th. Next Sunday will be just like this, but then the following Sunday we want a little time to get the word out so people aren't showing up to this service. So you can come back to this service next week. I hope you will because I don't want to, you know, I'd like to have more than five or ten people here in the second service next week. So come on back to 11.15 next week and then, then the week after that. Um, you know, uh, uh, well, I won't take another side trail. I'll get into the Word because I know you probably have some place you're going for lunch and uh, Father's Day, me and Father's Day, hope, hopefully if your father's uh, still living and around, you get to be with him today. So I want to preach a father, <clears throat> Father's Day message today. If there's any water, Tommy, I'd like to have. I think there's some water right beside you in a bottle of water. It looks like I see a bottle of water there. Uh, the staff is, they're concerned about branding, Right? They want me to drink out of a BCC cup rather than just a Poland Springs, all right? So you see the brand. (laughs) Product placement. (laughs) I want to talk about the secret of being a next-level dad. Um, I'm sure that uh, many of you have um, learned a lot about fatherhood from Homer Simpson, right? And... uh, you know, he's a good guy in a way. He's, he's a guy who, he bumbles and stumbles and all, but he, he does care about his family. Don't you get that impression that he really cares about his family? He usually stays focused on his family. But there's this one episode where he was pretty discouraged. And, you know, he's, uh, discouraging things are always happening to Homer. He, he doesn't get his bonus at work and things like that. And, and Bart's always mess, creating some mess for him to deal with. And so there's this one day he's having a bad day, and, 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 and the, the scene is he's got a, a mayonnaise jar, and he's filling it with hard liquor, and he's getting ready to get drunk, and, and Marge is, is, is appealing to him, Homer, don't do this. You need to spend more time with your kids. And he goes, that's for future Homer. I envy that guy. I, I, I envy that guy. No, I don't envy I, I messed up. The, I messed up the line. He said, that's for future, Homer. I sure don't envy that guy. <laughs> so we're going to read a text today about a guy 
that God talked to God will always talk to you about your future. The, the, the flesh, in my flesh, it's always now. What, how's this making me feel right now? Uh, how's this going to work out today? But God is always concerned about your destiny. God is always concerned about your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren. Being a ne- next step dad is when that, when that happens to you, it's when you begin to care about the bigger picture. Let's read it. In uh, Genesis chapter 18, verse 18, God is, it, it, the, the Lord has come down with, with, with uh, a couple of divine beings. I guess they're angels. We're not really sure. But they've met with Abraham, and now they're kind of stepped aside, and they're talking among themselves. And the Lord speaks to his heavenly companions and says, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on the earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Now let's jump back to Genesis chapter 12 where all of this destiny for Abraham. Abraham, by the way, is, is known throughout the world as the father of the three most important religions in the world. Uh, and that is um, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, or the three biggest. I don't know if some would argue about the word importance, but the three biggest religions in the world are those three. They all claim Abraham as their father. So certainly uh, his obedience to God had incredible reward and consequences. Genesis 12, the, the Lord said to Abraham, this is the first record we have of Abraham. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him, his nephew. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. You know, Calvin, John Calvin, who lived in the 1500s, wrote this that I thought was really uh, 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 went well with this text. In fact, he's commenting on this text when he said, wrote this a long time ago in 1500 or something, when a father has children, his responsibility is not only to feed and clothe them, but his principal responsibility is to guide them so that their lives will be well regulated. And he will dedicate his full attention to that. So what is to be noted here is that heads of families must go to the trouble of being instructed in God's word if they are to do their duty. And I thought this was funny, especially that long ago to write this way. If they are stupid, (laughs) if they do not know the basic principles of religion or their faith and do not know God's commandment or how prayer is to be offered, for, to him, or what the road to salvation is, how will they instruct their families? It's interesting that John Calvin relates ignorance or stupidity to not knowing what God is saying. Today in culture, that would never fly, that you're, you're ignorant or stupid if you don't know what God is saying. Now you're considered ignorant or stupid if you don't know what the culture is saying, or if you don't know what you think what call your culture but let's let's i digress let's get back to the, the subject so according to genesis 18 and 18 at verse 18 and 19 a next level dad discovers god's truth and god's promises 
for them. Exciting promises. You will be famous. A next level dad does God's will based on the truth and promises. And a next level dad directs his offsprings, both natural and spiritual. Is it not fascinating and instructive to us that when God wants to build a great nation, design the strategy to save our souls from hell, construct the project that will result in the new heavens and the new earth, that he starts by choosing a dad? He starts by choosing a father who will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right. There's so much coming out now, and it doesn't, it doesn't at all um, take away from the importance of mothers. Mothers are just as important as fathers. But what, what, what's being re- recovered, you don't hear much about it in the regular media, but it's certainly out there. And in fact... Books are being written by secular people, not Christians, not, not people who are trying to, to introduce Christianity. Books are being written right now about the science of fatherhood and about the importance, and, and they're saying fathers matter because a lot of the culture is saying they don't. Well, let's get back into the sermon. I could pick four or five scenes of Abraham's life, and I could give you four steps. And that's, I've preached a lot of sermons like that. We, I could take the the big moments in his life when, when he and, he and his nephew had conflict and he was so humble and gracious to allow his nephew and all of his herds to take whichever pastures they wanted. And, of course, they took the best. And he just humbly accepted that. And we could take the place where, uh, where he has a son, Isaac, as a, as a, as a promise, and he's... He's almost 100 years old when Isaac is born. Or we could take the scene where he's uh, told by God to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. We could talk about that scene. And I could give you four steps. But, you know, the, there's a lot of problems with preaching four and five steps. One is the likelihood that I won't even remember what those four steps were this afternoon. And you won't remember what they were. And also, the four steps for Abraham are not the four steps for you. And, and worst of all is when you get ready to murder your son, there might not be any ram in the thicket. And don't tell me you haven't felt like murdering your children. Because <laughs> you have. I propose to you this, that the step to accomplishing the purpose for which you were put on this planet, Dad, It's not in four steps or five steps or seven steps, but in your next step. All you can handle is your next step, and all you need to know is what your next step is. And so I want to propose to you today the secret of being a next-level dad. Probably we could broaden this this application to being a next-level anything is taking your next step. I'm sure... When you went to India, you didn't know what step three was going to be. You only knew step one. Get on the plane and go there, probably, something like that. Maybe study the language, I don't know. So I propose to you that the key to your destiny is not learning the four things you got to do, or the seven things, or the ten things, or the twelve things. But the key to your destiny is what God wants you to do next. And this certainly applies to all of us in the house, not just the father's. So 
the first thing, the guy's 75 years old, and God says, don't you think it's time you moved out of your dad's house? <laughs> Abraham went out, the Bible says, in the over in the book of Hebrews. It, 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 nobody's mentioned more in the New Testament than Abraham. Abraham is mentioned more than anybody. You will see Abraham in every section of the Bible. It says, Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. So it's the first thing I'll talk to you about is the pri- priority of the next step. Uh, I know, I'm sure many of you who have been here for a while remember Jack Easterby who preached for us a, a few times, a couple of times anyway. And after one of those times when Jack preached for us, he was the character coach for the New England Patriots at the time, and now he's a, a vice president of football operations for the Houston Texans. And uh, after one of those times that he preached for us, I said, Jack, would you give me some time this summer? It was in the spring. I said, would you give me some time? I want to pick your brain. And I, I, was, I was intrigued by how do you disciple men? And because I knew that Jack, uh, of, of the 53-man roster of the New England Patriots, 37 were coming to chapel every Monday morning. And uh, I, as you know, we also have Matt Slater here a couple of times, and, and I talked to Matt about Jack and knew what an important figure he was. He was hired after, um, he was hired after, um, um, his name slips my mind now, the, the, the tight end committed, uh, was arrested. Hernandez. Yeah, after Hernandez was arrested, that's why Jack was hired. And um, that's, that's a long story, but... Uh, uh, so I met with him. Uh, he said, sure. And so I met him uh, in a coffee shop, and we sit down and we talk. And uh, I, 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 so my first question was, Jack, simple, how do you disciple men? And I thought he was going to have a plan. I thought, well, he's got this plan. He probably takes them. He wants guys to do, know this, and then he wants them to know this and this. And he's got seven things he wants them to know. That's the way most pastors think. You know, we look at our congregation. Well, I need to get them to know this and then this and this. And or building blocks, you know. And he he just looked at me for a minute. He didn't say anything. I could tell he was trying to think of what the answer was. And he goes, "Oh, here's it is. I try to help men know their next step." And he was telling me, and some of you will remember the Super Bowl uh, uh, with Atlanta. Who can forget that if you're a New England Patriots fan? I mean, we had neighbors running down the street in my neighborhood at the end of that game, yelling, thank you, God. And they, they are far from God. <laughs> they are far from God. They were yelling, thank you, God. But uh, uh, Malcolm Mitchell was, uh, played a big role in that game, a rookie receiver. And he told, Jack said, Malcolm Mitchell told me that was the greatest advice he had ever received, to take the next step. And I thought about that as I was preparing for this message. And I thought about Abraham. Abraham didn't have a Bible. He didn't have a church. He didn't go to a small group. He didn't have a podcast to listen to. He didn't have any books about God or the Bible, any theological books. He had nothing. And he lived in a community of idol worshipers, and I'm sure he was an idol worshiper himself. All he had was a word from God that said, leave your father's house and go to a place that I will show you. That's all he had. But he knew that he knew 
that he knew, that he knew, that he knew, and that's how he knew he knew this is what he was supposed to do. And I believe with all my heart that right at this moment, in this room, there are fathers who know what their next step is. I believe there are men in this room, some are not fathers yet, but you're a spiritual father. You know, if I were to ask you, tell me what you need to do next, you know exactly what you're supposed to do next. But sometimes you're so focused on, well, what, well, what's going to happen after that, and after that, and after that, and if I do that, you're not willing yet to go where you don't know. But that's the key to greatness. The key to greatness is to go where you don't know, because there's more in the arena of what you don't know than the arena of what you know. And so if you stay in the arena of what you know, you will stay small, and you will not accomplish the purpose of God for your life unless you're willing to go into the arena where you don't know, because that's where all the good stuff is. So there are men in this room. I want to mention a few ideas. There's some father in this room that, that needs to stop looking at pornography. That's your next step. You don't need to think about anything else right now but that. There's, there's some father in this room that needs to stop treating your wife with contempt. There's some father in this room that needs to forgive their father for messing up their life. I have taught to a couple of men in the last six months in their 70s who are struggling with their father. Their father's long gone, of course, but they are struggling with forgiving their father for the way he treated them. And they're stuck. They're stuck on that point. So, so that's one thing. And are there fathers? There's probably a father here that you need to start attending. You need to start making church attendance a priority. That, that's all you need to think about right now. There, there's some father here who needs to stop playing video games, shut off the TV, and get up and help with the housework, for goodness sake. <laughs> so I don't, that, that's of the devil. I, I hear that. That's just, there, there's a father here who needs, you need to start studying the Bible. Not just read it once in a while, take a little promise once in a while, but read it, study it, get to know what it's about. There needs, there's a father here that needs to confront their teenager about lifestyle choices, friendship choices. I don't care how politically incorrect it is. You know that's what you need to do next. There's a father here that needs to confront an injustice in their work or their neighborhood or somewhere in their life. There's a father here who needs to start tithing. Just obey that principle. I, I, that's one of the things, I, if I were going to preach seven points or ten points about Abraham, that's one of the things he did. He's the first guy in the Bible that ever paid a tithe off of, off of his, uh, off of his um, increase. There's some guy here who needs just to submit to the shepherd. You need to go from being a goat to a sheep today. My sheep hear my voice, the Lord says, and I know them and they follow me. Oh, man, we want to teach people seven steps and ten steps, and we just need to teach people to obey God in the one step. Psalms 32, 8, and Psalms 119.05, the Lord says, I will teach you the way you should go. God says he would do this. He didn't say, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a pastor who to do it, and in fact, we know pastors are supposed to teach. That's not, I'm not arguing about that. But God says, I want to talk to you. I want to have a relationship with you. I will teach you the way you should go. I will instruct you and advise you. He said, your word is a lamp to my feet and a, path, a light for my path. You know those footlamps that they talked about there? Those footlamps only gave a left light for the next step. 
That's why we say the power is in the next step. You know this is true. Grant, you know this is true with your business. To make your business successful, you've got to figure out what the next step is. That's what every successful business person understands. I've got to figure out the next step. You're never sure exactly how it's going to work out. So you try to get the wisdom of God and what the next step is. And if, if you take the next step right, that's, that's, that's what we've done. And I could give you all these stories of things we've done, especially in our outreach ministry. It's like kind of scary. Should we take that step? But then we, we pray and we talk and we have a consensus and we take it. And then our future opens up. See, there's one little step that your future's not going to open up if you don't take that one little step. In fact, the, the Lord said to his disciples, he said, you're going to be called before kings. Don't even think about what you're going to say. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if, if, if the Lord said, you're going to have an audience with the president, but don't plan and don't make any, don't write, don't make any notes. <laughs> don't even think about what you're going to say. Just get there. Just be in the presence and, I, and be in the moment and I will be in the moment with you. How would you like to live a life where God is in the moment with you? Amen. You can't be in the moment with God if God always moving on and you're never moving with Him. If you're never moving with God, how can you ever be in the moment with God? Let me talk for a minute about what is the prerequisite. You know what that means. That means what is, what is, it, what is necessary for your next step. One thing is necessary for your next step. One thing. Faith. By faith. Abraham, when he was called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Faith in what? Not yourself, not other people, but faith in God. Joshua 24, 2, I said a minute ago, long, I live in an idol culture. Long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates and Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. So he was in a position of serving other gods, but what triggered him to have faith in the one true God? He's surrounded by gods. I'll tell you something very simple. False gods have nothing to say. False gods don't speak. They're deaf and they're mute. Idolaters talk to themselves. <laughs> but, but God speaks by faith. That's the thing. Sometimes we're trying to get people to do things. Sometimes I think we pastor types. We're trying to get people to obey a God they don't even trust. That doesn't work. We're trying to get people to do all this stuff in, in regard to their finances, their family, they're, 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 they're serving. We want them to serve God in all these ways. We just, we just kind of beat you up, don't we? We just beat you up, trying to get you to do what we know or we believe, according to the Bible, would make you more successful. Because most of us pastor types really care. Most of us aren't trying to just do it to build our own kingdom or some, some nonsense like that. Most of us really care. And we really believe people's lives will be better if they do what we say. You're not going to do things that I tell you from the Word of God if you don't trust God. If you don't believe God can make it work out. I, I was thinking about, in preparing for this sermon, I was thinking about my family and, and, and you know, what we've done right, what we haven't done right, and, and the results and all of that. And I was thinking, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes. It's kind of like a, a pastor down in Auburndale, Florida one time, years and years ago. In fact, 
Steve, Jesse was with me. Jesse, your brother, was with me. He and I went to Florida one time to this conference. And this pastor who, he was old, he was my age now, and he built this wonderful church. You could just feel the Spirit of God in this church was healthy. And I asked him, well, what's your secret? He, he, again, he was kind of like Jack. He just thought, thought well, I don't know. He said, I, he said exactly these words. He said, I got a lot of weaknesses. And then his, he got this twinkle in his eye. He said, but I always did what God told me to do. <laughs> well, I can't say that. I, I can't say that I did always did what God told me to do, because I know I didn't. But one thing, here's one thing in my, our home. If you want to know anything about the McCutcheon home that, that I believe you can take with you, we made a lot of mistakes, way not perfect. Here's the one thing that was clear, though. We believed God's word. One thing our kids knew is that God's word was the last word. Now, I didn't say we always managed to do it. <laughs> we struggled to do it sometimes. We struggled to know what God's word was sometimes. But one thing our three children knew is we believed God's word. We believed this scripture, this scripture. Let God be true and every man a liar. We really believe, and we still believe that. Let God be true and every man a liar. So if we found it in the word of God, that's what they knew we believed. And they could always challenge us with the word of God. And, and, and they, would, they, would, they, would have, they would have a platform if they challenged us with the Word of God. Now, do you challenge me with all my friends are doing it? No. No. That's not what we live by. What does God's Word say? And if you want to become a next step, next level leader, Dad, you will begin to live and lead your home by the Word of God. You're not going to be perfect any more than I am. I'm very imperfect. Very imperfect. I got all kinds of flaws. I could write a book about my flaws. But one thing that you can put on my gravestone, he believed God, and he believed the word of God. That was Abraham. You see, uh, obeying, even if you don't trust God and believe God, obeying God has benefits. So, we, so a lot of people obey God, in a lot of areas. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. That'll, that'll, I'll feel more peace. The pastor preached this sermon about how to have more peace. and So I'm going to do those three things to have more peace. And you have more peace. pastor preached these three sermons on how to have a better marriage. I'll do that and I'm going to have a better marriage. Great, great. Here's the problem with that. One of these days, God's going to ask you something that's going to scare the living daylights out of you. God's going to ask you to do something that makes no sense. And doesn't look like it would work that's when you find out if you believe in God or not. So one day God says to Abraham, take your son up on Mount Moriah and sacrifice him. Now, a lot of people believe that Abraham just did that because that was the pagan practices of the people around him to offer their children sacrifice, but that's not true. Some people believe that he just was like, okay, you want me to kill him? I'll kill him. You're God, I'm not, I'll kill him. That's not true either. It wasn't blind obedience. The Bible very clearly tells us what it was in Hebrews eleven seventeen. By faith, Abraham, when tested, offered Isaac as a sacrifice, who had embraced the promises, was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said, him, said to him, it is through Isaac 
that your offspring will be reckoned. He's talking about Jesus there. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. He went up to the top of Mount Moriah prepared to put the knife to his son because he believed God would raise his boy from the dead. He did it by faith. I'm telling you, faith will help you to do the hard thing if you really believe and trust God. And that's the secret to being a nice level dad is to trust God. Let me, let me wrap this up today. I'm running a little behind schedule. Father's Day, the power of your next step. The power of your next step. I'm going to jump over that verse there, guys, and I'm going to get right to it. The power of your next step, it will reveal where you're, where you're stuck and what you're bound to. When, when God says, take a next step, you, then you realize what you're stuck in that's not letting you take the next step. And that thing that's not letting you take a next step is a bondage. And so you should get real excited because you're about to break free from something that's been reducing your potential all along. God is doing you a favor. Thank, I needed that, right? It releases you from where you're stuck and with what you're bound to. It opens up your future and more importantly, God's future for you and everyone who's depending on you. And finally, you will experience life as a son of Abraham. You know, we're not just called to experience life as a son of God and daughter of God. We're called to experience life as a son of Abraham. Now that's a deep thing. I'd like to preach on that for a couple hours, but I won't. You're, you just got worried, didn't you? All of you. He's going to do it. <laughs> Galatians 3.7 says, Know therefore that those of faith, these are the sons of Abraham. Faith in what? Faith in Abraham? No, 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 no. Faith in the sacrifice. The sacrifice when God, he got ready to offer his son in sacrifice, God said, don't do it, stop. There's a ram in the bushes. It's the ram who's a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ who was offered as a sacrifice for our sins. And it's, it begins, your journey of being a next level father begins with putting your full faith and confidence, putting the entire weight of your life on the person of Jesus Christ and beginning to trust him over what anybody else thinks or says, even yourself. God bless you. Let, let's go for it. By the way, I want to ask one question before Christy comes back to close. How many of you are sitting here today? In fact, women, you can participate in this too. How many of you know exactly what your next step is? That's amazing. All over the room. God's been talking to you. Say, well, I want him to tell me three things. No, he'll tell you the next thing after you obey the next step, right? Let's, let's do it, okay? I love this message because it, I feel like it takes so much pressure off of us. The Bible teaches us that God doesn't give you any more than you can handle. And a message like this just really encourages you, just do that next right thing. Um, it reminds me, yesterday I got home from work, and I was kind of tired, and my husband had been working all day, but he said to me, hey, let's, could you take a few minutes and go organize the attic? I know there's some trash up there. I'd like to get out of the house. 
and I did not want to do that <laughs> at all. Um, I know it was hot up there. I was tired. I did not want to do that. And so I said to my little boy, Eden, I said, oh, let's go upstairs. And you know, walking up the stairs to the attic, by the time I got up there, I was ready to go. I wanted to get it done, and it really probably took like 30 minutes. And it, it honestly came down to walking my feet up those stairs. And there's so many things in your life right now that they seem overwhelming. They seem daunting. It seems like a big mess. And if you'll just walk up the stairs, you'll just make that phone call. You will call your internet provider and find out what do I need to do to get some parental controls going on in my house. You will call, go knock on your son's door and say, hey, bud, can we talk? Whatever it is that's going on in your life, you will do that next right thing to move you in that direction. And God is, the Holy Spirit is going to be with you. The Bible promises us that he goes before us, that he's a counselor, that he's a comforter. And, and you don't, you're not going into those situations alone. You don't have to figure it all out before you get there. Do that next right thing and give God the opportunity to work in your life. Amen. Let's stand across this room. I'm going to pray for a couple things for us. I'm going to pray that God would give you clarity around whatever your next step is going to be. And I'm going to pray that God would give you courage to step into it, give you energy for it, give you excitement to see what he's going to do. Amen. It's power heads. God, I thank you for these people that are here in your presence, Lord. I thank you for this, this word that we know it comes straight from your word is just do that next right thing. Take that next right step. And we, we're just so thankful to you today that your word is a light to our feet, that we can see that just enough to know we're, that we're walking in obedience. I pray for the hearts and the minds of the people here today, Lord, that you would give us clarity around that next step. Give us the courage to, to move our feet Give us the, the wisdom to know what those things are, Lord. Give us the energy for it. And we know, God, you're going to do amazing things in our lives and our homes. And lastly, Lord, I lift up to you the fathers that are in this house today, God. I pray you would anoint them as priests of their home. I pray, God, that you would empower their leadership that is based on your word, God. I pray that you would give them a hunger and a fire to know you as their father so that they could father their kids, so that they could be a husband or leader in whatever space they're in, or a spiritual father. Lord, I pray you would begin to heal hurts against fathers and that you would be exalted as our heavenly father in our heart above all. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.